I'm the Southeast Iowa Union's Kalen McCain. It's the week of October 30, 2021. This week's local stories feature a new public health director, ambulance wages, and the Mid-Prairie School Board election. But first, a look at the big picture. Iowa State Legislature debated a second round of redistricting maps Thursday, approving the maps almost unanimously in both chambers. Republican Senator Robbie Smith, who led the charge to reject the first round of maps, said the new drafts were good enough. This chamber requested LSA to improve upon the initial plan by addressing concerns of compactness and population deviation. LSA did not address every concern raised with the initial plan. However, the overall improvements on compactness and population deviations seen in Plan 2 align with the standards set in the state constitution and statute. In the House, Representative Bobby Kaufman, a Republican, said he approved of the maps, but pushed back against criticism that the Republican-controlled legislature sought to control the process. I want to make it crystal clear, Republicans were never going to gerrymander. I want to make it crystal clear, while I recommend Map 2, and I think Map 2 will become law, going to Map 3 was not going to be gerrymandering. I saw that narrative bought into by many of those in the media and pushed by many people in the Democratic Party as if it were somehow fact. I'm just thrilled today to stand before all of you and show just how wrong they all were. These are good maps. I do recommend we take them. Mr. Speaker, I move the bill. District 39 Senator Kevin Kinney said he saw no problems with the maps, despite a drastic change in his constituency that would functionally swap out Keokuk for Iowa County. I hate losing Keokuk County because I think I've made inroads down there, but uh, I live up here and actually live in the Iowa-Johnson County line and have a farm in Iowa County, so I I know uh, the people up here. Whether that's good or bad, I don't know, but uh, I'm satisfied with it. I'm going to support the maps, and there again, I think they were drawn up fairly. That's the big picture. We'll be back with the local news right after this. announced that it had tentatively settled on its pick for the next public health director Tuesday, but did not announce who that pick was. Board President Kathy Buffington said they had picked candidate G, but were still waiting on some steps of the hire process to make things official. Uh, I did offer candidate G the position last week pending background and reference checks. I do have her uh, reference here, which is, I thought, good. Uh, background check is not back yet. Pending everything, this candidate said they could start. While details about the finalists are mostly under wraps, interim health director Chris Essel suggested the candidate was less experienced than former director Danielle Pettit-Majeski. This um, individual is relatively new to a, a management role, um, and we've seen I've seen other people hired in, within our department in Jefferson County that maybe uh, have a salary, a certain salary expectation, but then that salary is not offered when they start. It's contingent upon their 30, 60, and 90-day evaluation. You guys as a board, I, I also would make the recommendation to do 
an evaluation with the new administrator at 30, 60, and 90 days to just give her support and direction that she is going to need in this fast role. That's anybody coming into to, uh, a public health director job. As of now, the plan is to have the new director start November 29 with a $70,000 salary, which will gradually ramp up to 80000 The motion was made by board member Chris Greer. I think it sounds like the most reasonable thing is to to project a start date of the 29th. That also gives us a bit of time to create the, the set of competencies to have Chris and Peggy work with the team on creating a set of competencies um, and us being ready to really kick things off on the 29th. I support starting at the lower end of the pay scale with a gradation up to Danielle's ending wage uh, by the start of the next fiscal year. The Washington County Board of Supervisors debated pay for its ambulance staff at a meeting on Tuesday, discussing a series of proposals from Ambulance Director Jeremy Peck. We have to come up with a way to attract new employees because starting somebody out at twenty-one fifty-five an hour uh, when you've been other places and been through the step raises is not attracting employees in here and we're hurting. We are working a lot of hours above and beyond our 40, which we're okay with at this point, but I look at my paramedics every day when they walk through the door and they're tired. You know, we had 35 911 calls in this county uh, this weekend, which is is very unheard of. It's an impressive amount of calls. I, I, it's 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 a great thing for us. We we can move forward knowing that we need more people on the streets, and that's something we can budget for. In the meantime, we have to do something to maintain currently what we have and get more. Board member Jack Seward Jr. proposed only raising pay for EMTs and paramedics as a middle ground to save taxpayer dollars. The coder, administrative assistant, and director. Those are the three that, that I'm not sure right now that we need to increase our uh, uh, problem right now is filling the shifts and that's with EMTs, advanced EMTs and paramedics. So those are the ones that I think we ought to focus on right now and uh, we'll look at the others as as we progress but I'm ready to, to okay the EMT, advanced EMT medics and supervisors uh, right now. Peck pushed back on that approach, saying his proposal could pay for itself. I'm trying to be fiscally responsible to 22,000 taxpayers' money. I, I run this business like it's my business, even though it's the county's business. I'm not here to screw anybody. There's ways of offsetting that budget for us that will, in the end, make us more money if we get the employees so that we're not paying the overtime to do that. Board member Marcus Fedler agreed. This is a little 110 grand or 146 grand. That ain't the cost. That's a fee, or that's a that's a you know a number on a spreadsheet. The cost is we can't hire people, we can't grow, we can't service the public. That's the cost. At the end of the day, we got a department head that's trying to run a business for the county the best way he knows how. He's doing the best he can. He's finding out that he's got issues associated with pay from the surrounding areas can't attract people. This is a solution. And in a couple of years, we're going to find out whether or not this was a good idea. But I think if we don't, we're going to know what the cost is almost immediately. And I think that's the problem. If we don't do this, I think we, we're going to have a longer term issue. After lengthy debate, the final decision to raise wages for all ambulance department staff was unanimous.
of every city and school election coming up this Tuesday, the race for Mid Prairie School Board is by far the most contentious, with nine candidates in the running. Board President Jeremy Google, who is running for re-election, said the last two years saw a spike in district policy interest. I think it just shows the the care and concern of our community for a great school district, and so I think that people uh, over the last you know uh, year, year and a half have. Uh, really wanted to be involved in what's going on, and uh, in doing so, uh, that has drawn more interest from people. So don't really find it intimidating, just uh, kind of expect it for a community who really wants to be involved. Candidate Christina Newton said the level of competition for the school board was a good thing. I think, you know, it's not always great for me as a person running that there's nine people, but I think it's awesome that there's nine people because it shows how committed our community is to this school district and how um, invested everyone is in our children. Each of the nine candidates encouraged district residents to get out and vote. Candidate Tammy Rich said she hoped the competition would galvanize voters. The voter turnout for school boards is really low, and I hope that we can get lots of people excited to come vote. That's it for the local news. We'll be back with the best news I've heard all week right after this. news I've heard all week. The Washington Noon Kiwanis Club painted North Park last Saturday morning. Club president Jenny Morgan said they were happy to help. Every Kiwanis group does a Kiwanis one day on today. We try to find a project to obviously help kids because that's our whole goal is to help kids. So we work with the city of Washington. They said this park needed painted so it was a perfect one day project to get our group out there. People recognize us and know that we do great things and they can join us if they'd like. Morgan said her involvement in Kiwanis was rewarding and urged others to get involved. It just makes you feel good when you can help others um, get to know people around the community. I wouldn't know a lot of these people um, if it wasn't for Kiwanis so it's great to have that um, organization to meet new people. It just it feels good when you go home at night knowing you've done so good. Thanks for listening to this week's show. This podcast is copyrighted property of the Southeast Iowa Union, which is owned by Gazette Communications Incorporated, a foliance company. Tired of our break music? Give our office a call and schedule an ad read during the break instead. Our number is 319-653-2191. Another way you can support the show is by sharing it with a friend and subscribing to it wherever you get your podcasts. This has been the Washington Weekly Review. I have been Kaylin McCain. Have a happy Halloween. <laughs>